Welcome to Battered Aggie Syndrome, podcast all about Aggie football and pretty much anything else that pops into our head. Uh, it's been a minute since we uh, had a podcast. Um, part of the reason being that uh, the football season ended uh, quite terribly, losing to LSU and not getting to play in a bowl game. But uh, we just had National Signing Day yesterday. So all good things. Yeah, we got to celebrate when we can. And right now we won the offseason. Yeah, we won the uh, <laughs> recruiting national championship, I think I heard somebody say. Yes. It's just like uh, the Rangers in their offseason. They signed a bunch of big, you know, big players and we have to celebrate because uh, they suck on the field. Yeah. Well, I know um, today was Snowmageddon 2022, which, man, I'm so glad that we haven't lost power. Knock on, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been monitoring the, uh, the ERCOT, uh, website. Okay. Have you been looking at that today? I looked at it earlier and it looked like we had plenty of excess power. So I stopped worrying about it. Unlike last year where we were under, under power. We were in the negative, I think last year. We tried to be more prepared this year. Um, so last year afterwards, I called a couple of companies about a uh, generator for our house and, um, there was one, probably the cheapest one, quoted me twenty two thousand dollars as a bid to to run our whole house. To be on, to be fair, but but still, that was quite the chunk of change for something we might use three days a year. Was it uh, natural gas? Uh, yes, yeah, to use it with natural gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Did you did you get a bid as well? Uh, I looked at that, and then I also looked at um, uh, Tesla makes. Uh, I think it's called Powerwall which is a big battery mm. system that, that seemed like it may be a better thing for one or two days, but it was just as expensive. So, um, so how does that work? Does it use solar power or gas or? Well, you can, you know, have it hooked up to like solar panels or whatever, or it can just charge off the normal grid. And then when the grid goes down, you can basically pull from that. I mean, no different yeah, than like uh, you see in like the new Ford trucks that, that'll actually <laughs> do that as well. Yeah, which that would make me a little nervous. I'm like, well, now we can't heat our home and we can't wear. Can't start. So I'm like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it sounded like a good thing. And then you started looking into it and it's like, man, that's really expensive. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I tried to do a few things to get a little bit more prepared this go around. Have you heard of those Berkey water filters? Yeah. That, uh, so I think I got one that's like the two and a half or three gallon, uh, deal, which they're a couple hundred dollars. And I don't think I primed the filters correctly. So we had no water this morning. I mean, we had water from the faucet, but, um, we didn't have any in our Berkey filter. So I guess I'm gonna have to troubleshoot that. <laughs> Thank goodness I have a survivalist in the family and Beth's dad. Yeah. Put it more than a survivalist, more like a prepper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A doomsday prepper, <laughs> which those Berkey filters, they're pretty impressive. They um, filter out 99.99% of viruses, bacteria, and something I'm familiar with is intestinal parasites like Giardia and Cryptosporidium. And those two little buggers are very hard to get rid of. So if you've got something that can stop that, that's pretty impressive. Do you have a Berkey? Nope, we don't have yeah. that. 
Peter's just too boiling water. Just like the olden days. Yeah. Uh, um, one of the things it says to uh, test your Berkey system to see if it's operating correctly is to get a gallon of clean water and put a couple drops of, uh, or no, they said one teaspoon of red food coloring. Pour that into the upper chamber of your Berkey. And if your filters are working correctly, you should have completely clear water in the lower chamber within, you know, a couple hours. But I thought that's pretty impressive if it'll take that out there. I think uh, you may, maybe a Mountain Dew would be a, a better better test for it. Yeah, if we can pour a Mountain Dew in there and then just have water come out, then you know it's, uh, it's working pretty good. I know we were talking about recording this last night and you had commented that um, you had a headache that possibly going to uh turn it into a migraine and typically you will what do you use to treat that ailment yeah i mean you can get migraine medicine but usually it's that just has ibuprofen and caffeine so i'll just take ibuprofen and uh you know some sort of coke that's got uh, caffeine in it that usually does the trick so you don't have um so it's coca-cola it's not dark pepper or mountain dew or anything like that i mean it's usually what we have in the house which would be uh, Coker, Dr. Pepper, definitely Coker. not Mountain Dew. Yeah, and you made the comment yesterday that um, you wanted to get a specific flavor of Mountain Dew, but then you thought, I can't do that because I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I don't remember where I was at, but it was, you know, a Pepsi machine, and it had the <laughs> option for regular Mountain Dew and then uh, uh, Baja, what is it, Baja? I'm not, I'm Baja not Blast. There you go, Baja Blast. And I thought, oh, that sounds good. Then I thought, no, I feel like I'm too old for this. I went to Taco Bell a week or two ago because that's the only restaurant we have in my small uh, Parker County uh, municipality. But um, I got, they were like, would you like a Mountain Dew Baja Blast that? Yeah, I would like one of those. So I got it. And man, that stuff is legit. I I enjoyed it. Um, next time you're at that, Pepsi machine, you should uh, get some and not even feel bad about it because you know that I have already decided to partake in that uh, lovely nectar. Dr. Lee said it's okay. And talking about Mountain Dews, I mean, I love Mountain Dew. I think some of my greatest hits have been uh, thanks to Mountain Dew. You've been there for one of the big ones <laughs> when uh, we were at Beth's parents' ranch and uh, flipped the dune buggy. I'll never forget, as soon as I got to talk to her on the phone after I knew my arm was going to be able to be put back together after rolling the dune buggy, fracturing it, and I talked to her in the hospital, and she's like, were you drinking beer? And I was like, nope, something better, Mountain Dew. Popped up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think we were getting ready to go, I mean, we were packing to go somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but... Anyway, I was up in the attic looking for something, and I fell through um, the ceiling. I didn't go all the way through. Um, I caught myself. I remember myself. seeing the, uh, the, the map that said, uh, said event. Yeah, the bruise, but also the, the hole in your ceiling, the two, the two holes in your ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I got the same question then. And I was like, nope, I'm drinking the uh, Mountain Dew with the old logo and the cowboy or whatever with the real sugar in it so anyway that stuff is dangerous 
Yeah, is either that or cans. I can't remember which one, but but I was so today I was enjoying some uh, Mountain Dew Major Melon, which I think that's got to be one of my favorite flavors now. But I was looking at the can and it said at the top contains zero percent juice. Not really sure who is worried about that when they're drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, that's kind of like uh, the claimers that Taco Bell has to put on their taco meat, that it's not actually taco meat, it's taco filling <laughs> or something like that. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> pretty obvious. And then you got Chipotle uh, advertising that, yeah, this is our wonderful chorizo, except it only comes from a plant. I'm like, that just doesn't sound like you want to tell anybody about that. But yeah, so do you like Mountain Dew? Regular Mountain Dew? I mean, it's pretty good. Pretty I can't good. say that I'm a, a connoisseur like myself, uh, but it's pretty good. Like myself, I would say usually I only drink it when I'm with uh, with you. <laughs> so I'm a good influence on you. Um, so my little brother, his wife, my sister-in-law, she works for Pepsi, and I think I told her last year I was like, I don't know, you know, if you have any pull with the higher ups, but if you could tell them to not make major melon a a temporary flavor and to make it more permanent um and lo and behold i was looking into it today and it is permanent so uh i don't know if i had any effect there or not we'll just we'll just say you did and then i was actually looking for some baja blast cans on walmart.com target amazon couldn't find any so i texted her today and asked her if she could get me some and she went to the um the PepsiCo uh, employee store, and she said that they were all out. Uh oh. So I guess I'm just going to have to get it from Taco Bell. The COVID supply chain hits again, huh? Yeah. Yeah, which, as I was looking for um, uh, the Mountain Dew Baja Blast, I saw that there are Mountain Dew candles and Mountain Dew lip balm. Did you know such a thing existed? No, I don't know why you would need uh, either of those products. I was like, I mean, I love Mountain Dew, but I don't need a candle that smells like it. I don't even know. I mean, what would it smell like? Lemon or something? I don't... It doesn't sound appealing. So, do you remember when um, Code Red was like the only uh, cool other flavor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now they've got all these, you know, crazy flavors, which... I'll be honest with you. I don't like any of the blue Mountain Dews, the high voltage or shark bite or whatever. That stuff's nasty. Have you tried it? No, I, I didn't actually realize any of those existed. I only knew about like Code Red, like you mentioned in the uh, the Baja Blast, even the one you were mentioning just now. The What was it? Major no, Melon. It's watermelon. Major Melon. Yeah. I, I didn't know that existed. I didn't know they had all the blue ones you just mentioned either. So my uh, Mountain Dew game is is weak. Yeah. Well, I'm going to educate you and our dozens of listeners. As I was looking into the different flavors that Mountain Dew has, they had one that just sounds nasty called Ginger Snapped. Have you heard of that one? I hadn't heard of it until today. I don't even want to try that. That didn't even sound. That would be like one of those things like after you got done playing baseball as a kid and, you know, you're at the cc's or whatever with all your buddies and they're like make a suicide or what was was it called a suicide whenever you just went to every little yeah that's a suicide yeah make a suicide but 
Yeah, you'd have to dare me to do that, and I don't think I would do it. And then, um, so we've got Major Melon, Ginger Snap, uh, regular Mountain Dew, Code Red. Uh, they have one called Spark that has raspberry lemonade, which I don't like lemonade, so I don't want any part of that. Uh, there's Live Wire that's orange. There's the Voltage, which is the blue one. There's Baja Blast, and then there's two subtypes. There's Baja Punch, supposed to be like Fruit Punch, and Baja Flash is supposed to be like Pina Colada. And then they have Mountain Dew Voodoo, spelled V-O-O-D-E-W, as in Dew, Mountain Dew, um, which is quote-unquote a mystery flavor, which uh, I was like, well, that's a little disconcerting to have a mystery flavor, but... Turns out it's candy corn. Candy corn is the mystery flavor. Yeah, that sounds disgusting. Yeah. And then there's thrashed apple, Maui burst. Um, they had a flavor called uproar that was strawberry kiwi flavor. It is only available through Food Lion. Uh, Food Lion still exists? I guess so. I remember we had, wasn't there one over on Hewlin yeah. and McCart or something? Yeah. It was on McCartan. Yeah, it was healing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then there's Sweet Lightning that's only available through KFC. Uh, there's one exclusive to Applebee's called Dark Berry Bash. There's Berry Monsoon that is exclusive to Sam's Club. And they they even have Mountain Dew with the original uh, flavor that's caffeine-free, which <laughs> what's the point at that point? <laughs> um they have Mountain Dew Ice, which is to compete with Sprite and Sierra Mist, which doesn't Pepsi own 7-Up? No, 7-Up's owned by uh, Dr. Pepper. Oh, are they, who owns Sierra Mist? Is that Coke? It is a Pepsi. I think that is a Pepsi. Oh, hmm. But Mountain Dew's owned by Pepsi. So, I know they think Sierra Mist sounds too spare, so they tried to get the brand recognition behind it. I don't know. And then the last couple, there's Mountain Dew Flamin' Hot, which I guess is like the Flamin' Hot Cheetos, which sounds terrible. And then uh, there's Mountain Dew Extreme, which is only in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia <laughs> since <laughs> 2010. Which I'm like, how many uh, jihadists are out there? Well, I know they're, they're not the jihad countries, but... Um, I mean, who's going to drink Mountain Dew over there? I was actually thinking that maybe it was for our service. Uh, <laughs> our service <laughs> That's a good uh, point. Members that were over there and getting amped up on their uh, high caffeine drinks. Yeah, that's a good point. And then you've got the Mountain Dew Kickstarts, which do have 5% fruit juice, very important, and electrolytes and some vitamins. And then the Mountain Dew Game Fuel. What was the one that you used to have in college that was like the energy drink? Wasn't there like a Mountain Dew energy drink or something? Yeah, you're right. Um, what's the name of that one? Yeah, I used to get them in the Tall Boys. Um, <laughs> grief, I can't believe. I, but Are those anyway, not exist anymore? I don't think they do. I think Game Fuel replaced it. Uh, which <laughs> God, don't play video games. Don't play World of Warcraft. I don't think I'm going to be partaking in the game fuel, which I think that's probably what I told you is that um, as long as you're not drinking that stuff, uh, you, you're still an adult. You still have your adult card. Mm. 
So obviously that's uh, one of our tangents so far. Um, so I guess we could venture back <laughs> to talking about National Signing Day. Not sure if you know it or not, but A&M signed the number one class in the country for 2022. Uh, we also have the number one recruiting class in the history of the world uh, for dramatic effect. Yes, very nice. Again, we have to celebrate. We won the offseason national championship of signing days. Yeah. And then we had Jimbo getting, uh, I mean, he was fired up in his press conference yesterday. So he was fired up, um, yes. out of those two things, 2022 class being so uh, impressive or Jimbo getting fired up in the press conference, which are you more excited about? Jimbo getting fired up. Because <laughs> I think Jimbo getting fired up is going to lead to more uh, more of the same, more signing classes that look similar. Yeah, I guess a lot of kids, uh, a lot of our recruits were watching that press conference and I uh, guess they were retweeting it and putting their own spin on it. But they were pretty proud of that. So, um, so should we talk about the recruiting class first or do you want to go into the Jimbo rant first? Let's go with the recruiting class first. Okay, so we'll handle our bitness before we get into the, uh, we're going to have our steak and potatoes before we have our banana pudding and Mountain Dew. And all the business before we get to the dessert. So somebody had a quote on Twitter, which um, where I get my news from. But anyway, I said, every number one recruiting class from 2011 to 2020 won a national title. And I went back and looked at 2011 to 2020. And from 2011 to 2017, Alabama was the number one recruiting class. Georgia got it in 2018, Bama in 2019, and then Georgia in 2020. So that's a little bit misleading. Yeah, it's basically Bama and Georgia. Another tweet that was probably a little bit more, um, or I guess more accurate, less, I don't know, misleading. But um, the top recruiting classes ever, and this is 247 Sports, because they're legit. They're not like rivals. It's run by a bunch of clown acts, um, if you get my drift. But, but um, A&M 2022 is number one. Bama 2021 was number two. Florida in 2010 was number three. And then Bama in 2017 and Georgia in 2018 are four and five. And they said that the uh, 2017 Bama and 2018 Georgia classes both won a natty in year four. Um, so go ahead and etch 2025 on the plaque to Jimbo Fisher head coach, NCAA Division One National Champs. You're going to go ahead and claim that already, huh? <laughs> yeah. Championship. Count it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold off. If he gets a couple more recruiting classes like this, maybe. Because as you mentioned, yes, Alabama won in uh, four years after 2017, but uh, they also had the number one class from 2011 to 2017. So they were stocked with uh, – with talent yeah that's um that's definitely got to be the the deal here you got to stack uh top one or two classes on top of each other to get to where we want to go but uh it sounds like your batter daggy syndrome is flaring up when you say that 
which I heard some people saying they're like, well, now you have to uh, worry that all these really good recruits are probably going to hit the transfer portal at some point. Does that uh, concern enter your mind? Usually the ones that that hit the transfer portal are the ones that uh, aren't playing. So I'm not really that concerned with that because that seems to indicate they got out outplayed by somebody else on the team. So it doesn't bother me that much. You're exactly right. And so I was looking at the transfer portal today um, for this year and then last year. And I think total there's only five or six five-star recruits uh, actually go into the transfer portal. Um, So, yeah, it's like, well, that's not a big concern because it's the guys who aren't playing Mm -hmm. and who want to go to Jackson State. Yeah, I I mean, that's why, you know, this whole offseason, you know, there was big talk about, you know, Connor Wegman coming out of Ohio State. You know, he was the number one recruit the previous class, and now he's no Quinn Ewers. I'm sorry, I got him confused. Yes, Quinn Ewers from Ohio State going to Texas, but uh, I, I couldn't understand why everybody was so excited about you know him um, and wanting to get him to come to his school. He's basically third on the depth chart at Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, what does what does that say? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what I'm going to start calling is a um, the grass is greener on the other side. You know, those people who can't ever make up their mind, they're always looking for something better. The grass is always greener somewhere else. Um, which to that, I would say the grass is greenest where you uh, resod or reseed, uh, where you fertilize where you water, and where you pull the weeds from. So uh, basically what I'm saying is maybe stick with where you're at and um, work hard. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of these transfers make sense because the uh, the coaching carousel seems to be spinning really, really fast these days. So, you know, some of these kids do sign up to play for somebody, and then they get there and they end up, having to play for somebody else and it doesn't really match what they signed up for. But some of these kids, it seems now, are just, again, they're not getting playing time, so they decide to transfer. Or, like you said, they they think there's a better opportunity somewhere else. I mean, I saw Georgia lost one of their receivers to Alabama via the transfer portal after the national championship game. That just Yeah, Jermaine Burton. It just seems crazy. Yeah. What are you thinking? Um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about Nick Saban here probably a little bit later, but, um, I guess he was on record yesterday morning saying that, um, he doesn't think that this is such a good thing with the transfer portal. Um, and I mean, he's somebody once said he's, uh, one of the ones benefiting the most from it, but, um, and he was specifically talking about leaving during the middle of the year which I'm trying to remember when he was doing so terribly with the Miami Dolphins. Didn't he leave before the year was over? Uh, I can't remember. I, I don't remember that. But, yeah, I feel <clears throat> that uh, that situation is going to kill the bowl season because 
a little combination of things that, I mean, the transfer portal, um, the early signing period, all that is, is causing, you know, universities to basically fire their coach, um, you know, before the early signing period, which means you, you're, you know, kind of a lame duck, uh, injury yeah. coach. Um, so a lot of kids are going to see that and say, Hey, I'm going to opt out because, you know, this is what I signed up for. And then you got the kids in general, they're just opting out because if it's not the, um, playoff, then why am I going to go risk myself to, um, go play? And so I feel like those two things are going to kill the bowl season because when you look at the bowl season this year, I mean, there wasn't a good bowl game outside of, uh, that national championship game. So, yeah. Yeah, um, even the. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, the Aggies not playing in their bowl. I, I think yes, they had uh, a lot of a lot of uh, you know COVID impact. But I also think Jimbo just wasn't really interested. There was no upside to it. So yeah, yeah. It's it's like you beat Wake Forest. Good job. That's EP. That's expected performance. Oh, you lost Wake Forest. God, y'all are terrible. How could you do that? Everything's falling apart. I mean, there's just no upside there. Correct. So I, I think you're starting to see that, yeah, that stuff may, may start to... I know there's a lot of money in it, but when I watch some of those games on TV, the stands were empty. It's just nobody's really interested in, in that anymore. So It's like the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth? Yeah. Does Bell sponsor that? We used to sponsor it, but now Lockheed sponsors it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bell with their um, butterfly or dragonfly logo. They didn't want that on there anymore. Yeah, when we got a new CEO, he wasn't as interested in uh, in all that uh, community sponsorship. Scared money don't yeah. make money. Yeah, we had uh, <laughs> we had also sponsored something in the Colonial. I can't remember what, but um, all that's gone now. What's your uh, CEO's name? Uh, Mitch Snyder. Mitch, you should go into his office one day and take him a hat that's embroidered and says, scared money don't make money. Good. Good suggestion, though. <laughs> but that'd go over. Not like a turn in the punch bowl. Yeah. Do you call him Mitch? Like I'm on a first name basis with him? No. Yeah. You're like, hey, yeah. Mitch, what you doing? He, is, he doesn't know who I am. Who you are. I like to keep it that way. I like to keep it that way. Yeah, I don't want to get called down to the principal's office, I know. Nope. Um, so, where were we? What were we talking about? Uh, Transfer so, portal. Yes. So, let me go back a little bit and just make a few comments on the 2017 Alabama class. So out of 29 guys, and this is just off the top of my head when I was looking through that class, um, there might be some more that actually went to the NFL Football League that I couldn't think of, but um, they had Najee Harris running back, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle, Dylan Moses, linebacker, Jerry Judy, wide receiver, uh, Tua, I still can't say his last name, quarterback, which, is that guy good? I mean... Did people he's, want him? Uh, he's he's what at Miami now. Yeah, they haven't really done anything. So maybe that's because the owner was paying his coach to tank. I don't know. Tank, yeah, yeah. That's 
another story for another day. <laughs> There's uh, Jedrick Wills, who's an offensive tackle, Xavier McKinney, safety, Devontae Smith, that guy's pretty good, I've heard, uh, wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver, Isaiah Bugs, defensive end, uh, Fedarian Mathis, which pretty sure Fedarian, spelled P-H-I-D-A-R-I-A-N. It's probably what you want to name your firstborn, if I remember correctly. Isn't that what you yeah, said? I got, yeah, I think I got vetoed. That, uh, that didn't really make sense. So. And it's like, honey, I want, I think we should name our firstborn Philadelphia, Fedarian, or whatever you decide. And you obviously lost, huh? Yes, I lost. Fedarian uh, Mathis, he's not in the NFL yet, but he's, he's going to be in the league this year. Uh, Chris Allen, linebacker, edge player, uh, Brian Robinson, another guy who's going to be in the league this year. And then a quarterback by the name of Mac Jones. So if you're not winning a national championship with all that talent, there's something wrong with you. And How then 20, uh, that was 14 of 29. About 50%. So that's, that's pretty good. And then uh, 2018 class, there's probably about nine out of 24 that uh, are either in the NFL or they're about to be. Uh, Justin Fields, quarterback. Zamir White, running back, um, which he's going to go to the league this year. Jamari Sawyer, offensive tackle. I think he's probably, you know, top one or two round draft pick. Uh, Tyson Campbell cornerback he's at uh i think that was urban meyer's second pick at the jaguars um james cook running back he's going to be in late this year you may know his brother dalvin cook um aziz ojalari linebacker i think he's at the giants jordan davis big defensive tackle he's going to be the league this year which have you seen how big that guy is See, like six foot six, 350 or 60 pounds. Yeah, and can outrun us. Yeah. Um, I think I saw a picture of him and he, I think he can dunk the ball on a 10 foot goal. So I'm like, well, he's six six. You should be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that gravity has any uh, effect on that, which I often wonder. I don't think that they let you lift your weight higher than 350. Because if you notice as people get up over 320, 325, it's like they just start going by tens and they're like 330, 340, 350. It's never like 347. So, I mean, if you're six foot six, you're a big person. I'm 5'10, I'm a big person. I'm like 200 pounds. I guess it's got to be like 400 pounds. Yeah, but it's 400 pounds of pure muscle. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, which he's a defensive tackle. He'll be in league this year. And then Brenton Cox, defensive end. He had actually transferred to Florida pretty early on, but I'm pretty sure he'll be in the league this year. And then looking at Texas A&M's 2022 class. So we have the number one wide receiver in Texas. And... Uh, Evan Stewart, and we went head to head with uh, UT to uh, get him out of Frisco. Um, the number one defensive lineman in Florida, and Shamar Stewart, 
we went head to head with the U in Georgia. Um, and he's from, I think right there in Miami. Yeah, um, Miami guy. did, have you seen pictures of him? Yeah. He's a, he's a big old boy. Yeah. So there's, there's two things that stand out to me. One, I just saw six foot six, 275 pounds. And I mean, he just graduated high school. That's just, that's insane to have human beings that big at that young of an age. And then the second thing I was going to point out, have you seen the photos of him with his uh, gold grill? No, I haven't seen that. So I had only seen photos with him with all gold teeth in the front. And then I finally saw some where he actually has normal white enamel. Um, and I thought, well, I guess he had that grill made. But where would one go about finding a place to make you a gold grill? Because it's obviously form. I mean, it's like Invisalign, but for his teeth. I I could not tell you, Lee. I'm not in. I have not been in the market for a, a custom gold grill. Well, maybe we should uh, get with Invisalign and tell them this could be the next big thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe grill grills by Invisalign. Uh, you can have platinum, gold, silver, copper. Um, but anyway, so you haven't seen pictures of him with that gold grill? No, I'll have to look that up later. Better be real careful because after you see it, you'll probably want one. Well, maybe I'll have it in, in our next uh, our next get together. You'll see me on, <laughs> on video with a uh, gold grill. I would love that. That would be awesome. Um, we also got like, the number. Uh, the Manning brothers when Snoop Dogg gave uh, Eli the uh, the gold chain for his birthday and he had it on his next uh, broadcast. Did he really? Yeah. That was that was recent, wasn't it? Wasn't that yeah. like a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it would have been a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna have to go look into that. Um so we also got the number two defensive lineman out of Florida and uh Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. Uh, or GBD as I would call him, um, which we went head to head with OU for him. Uh, number one defensive back in Texas and Denver Harris. We went head to head with LSU, Alabama, UT. Number one defensive tackle in Tennessee and Walter Nolan. Number one defensive lineman in Arizona and Anthony Lucas, who we went head to head against Bama, which I noticed an, a curious trend. If a player was a four-star and he committed to Bama, all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, he'd be a five-star. Um, if So, like, uh, Anthony Lucas, when he picked us over Alabama, he immediately dropped, like, eight or nine spots. And I'm like, we haven't even played any football since he committed. So, right, no way. But anyway, um, the number one there safety. Some conspiracy and, theories, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's something to it. The uh, number one safety out of uh, Louisiana, Jacoby Matthews, who we went head-to-head with LSU and Florida. Um, number one defensive end in Pennsylvania, and Eni, E-N-A-I, White, who we went head-to-head with, I'm pretty sure is Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, number one safety in Georgia, and Dion Smoke Bowie. Um, which just let me know how I get my nickname Smoke and all. So he's got an awesome name. 
Yeah, let me let me know how to do that. Sign the dog one. Um, we got the number one tight end in Texas and Donovan Green, number one tight end in Georgia and Jake Johnson, whose brother Max Johnson also transferred here from uh, LSU, and whose dad is Brad Johnson. Of the this in the last game of the year. Oh yeah, Max Johnson, not Brad Johnson. Yeah, not Brad. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the number one running back in Louisiana and Le'Veon Moss, uh, who not only did we go head to head with LSU, we actually stole him right out of Baton Rouge, which um, I hope that doesn't happen with the College Station kid, but probably it probably won't. And then the number one tight end in Sweden in Theodore Orstrom, which I didn't even know they played football in Sweden. Uh, yeah, how many tight ends do they have? Is he one of one or, or what? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> like, okay, run along my little my little uh, Swedish. Did I say Sweden? Yeah, Sweden. Um, yeah, I, I thought that they played soccer over there, and that was about it. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember seeing that that on the, on the list of uh, you know the articles that came out that we got the number one recruit out of Sweden, and we did the number one recruit out of Tennessee, and it was like, well, that's not really the same thing. Yeah, this is not apples to apples here. <laughs> what did uh, remember that Robin Williams stand-up comedy deal that uh, I'd make you watch in college um, on VHS? Yeah, VHS. Hold on, we gotta rewind it. Um, yeah, that's how old we are. Um, do you remember him talking about uh, soccer? No, I, the one that comes to mind is the golf one. I don't remember the uh, the soccer one. The soccer, he was like, you know, to the whole rest of the world, this is football. You know, it's a manly sport. It's the biggest sport in the world. And to Americans, it's a strange sport played by damaged people. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, um, but I don't, I don't catch too many soccer games since uh, my kindergarten um, team that we were the Hurricanes and we were maroon and my dad coached us. I don't think I've played soccer since then. I never played soccer. <laughs> you didn't even play for the for the maroon Hurricanes in kindergarten. Called it a sport. Yeah. Speaking of communists, did you see that the uh, Washington football team has a new um, logo and everything? Yeah, the commanders. Yeah, the Washington commanders, which I'm like, what is that? Commander in chief? That's what I assume. Uh, and what was it that Cleveland changed theirs to? Uh, Cleveland. The baseball team. Cleveland Indians? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they changed it. And the funny part was they they actually, there was already a a, a team in Cleveland. It was a a men's roller roller derby team that had the same name. So uh, What was it? I don't remember what it is. I have to look it up. So why can... Just think about that men's roller derby team. Did you know that existed? I think I did. Um, Actually, no. I thought it was all women's. Yeah, exactly. But Cleveland apparently had a, a men's roller derby team, and uh, the Indians stole their name, essentially. The Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Which, why is it that Kansas City still gets to be the Chiefs? Is it because that's um, 
flattering or something? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a good question. <laughs> and, you know, Bobby Bowden, he actually spoke with uh, the, I guess, the Seminole Nation's uh, chief at the time. And so uh, the Florida State Seminoles, I guess they'll probably be able to continue being the Seminoles because they um, have got the inside track with that. The other thing I was going to talk about with this class is the historicity of this recruiting class in A&M's all-time classes. Did you catch that word there? I mean, I caught the word. I'm not sure that I know what it means. I think you've combined a couple of words together to, to create a cool word. That so I thought I up. was. I thought I was, and I asked my wife, who's smarter than I am, about it. She's like, no, that's a word. Um, and she looked it up for me, and it is the... Um, I can't remember what she told me now. It's, it's historical. It's checking the authenticity of the historical nature of a certain claim. Mm. So historicity, there's your uh, uh, SAT word of the day. But um, so anyway, with the 2022 class, 14 of the top 50 five zero recruits A&M has ever signed are in this 2022 class. So uh, what is that? What kind of math is that? What percentage there, Brian? You said 22 of 50? Uh, 14 of 50. 14 of 50. That's 28%. 28% of the 2022 class. Had to give you a few softballs. I know you probably didn't uh, didn't want to get out the calculator for that one. Um, and then 26 out of the top 50 uh, at A&M have been signed by Jimbo himself. 36 of the top 50 recruits at A&M have been since A&M joined the SEC 10 years ago. Uh, the top three recruits that have ever signed at A&M um, is the defensive tackle Walter Nolan this year, Miles Garrett in 2015, which, is he good? Is that? Yeah, I think he's I pretty good. Is he pretty good? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Reggie McNeil is the number three. Um, which, do you remember watching him in college? Yeah. Unfortunately, we had Coach Fran, so he's <laughs> kind of a, a bit handicapped there. Yeah, we had uh, Reggie McNeil, and I'm pretty sure Vince Young was another five-star recruit. And I remember, I think it was like our sophomore year or something, but I'm like, man, Reggie McNeil is going to be just as good as Vince Young. Only problem in that logic is I didn't factor in the fact that Coach Fran was so terrible and that UT had Mac Brown, who obviously went on to win a national championship. Yep. Which, when did Mac Brown leave UT? I was trying to remember that. I remember that. Was that 2010 or 2011? Or was it later than that? Um, for some reason, I was thinking it was later than that. I mean, who's been there since he left? Did they start with um, start was it Charlie Strong? Strong? What he was there Char- for three or four years. years. Charlie Strong. Is um, Tom Herman right after Charlie Strong? Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe Mac Brown was there till like 2012 or 2013. But um, anyway, I remember thinking, God, he hasn't been good for a while. But then I remembered. Didn't he play in the 2009 championship? I mean, he coached in the 2009 championship against Alabama. Yeah. 
UT and, had um, Colt McCoy and he got hurt. Got hurt in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah, and they had um was it Garrett Gilbert or something like that come in? Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway. And and then it's also crazy to think that um Nebraska was in the national championship in two thousand one or two thousand two with the U. Now they can't. Uh, they can't tie their shoes. Games. Yeah, they can't tie their shoes. <laughs> Much less go out there and play a decent game. So, since we're talking UT, I saw a note today that said if if A and M from the twenty twenty two class lost all their five stars, it would still be a better ranked class than UT's class from this year. Holy cow! <laughs> That's crazy. That is and you, crazy. And I think UT ended up doing pretty good. I don't remember where they were at, but I think they're in the top ten. Uh, so that again, that speaks to how crazy this class is for for AM. How ridiculous! Yeah. Um, one other bit of historicity <clears throat> is uh, typically fifty percent of the top fifty players in any given recruiting cycle will get drafted into the league. Um, and the next 50 players have about a 25% chance to go to the league. Um, our top 50 players in this class, 10 guys, Walter Nolan, Shamar Stewart, the defensive lineman out of Florida, Evan Stewart, GBD, Gabriel Brownlow Dendy, Connor Wegman, the quarterback, uh, Denver Harris, <coughs> the defensive back, Chris Marshall, the wide receiver, Jacoby Matthews, the safety out of Louisiana. Eni White, the edge player out of Pennsylvania, then Anthony Lucas out of Arizona. I kept him at 50 because I didn't think that that was uh, right that they dropped him there. So I guess you can put an asterisk next to my 10 guys. Okay. Well, we'll uh, keep that list down and see how they end up doing. Sounds like uh, five of them will be in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you had mentioned about Quinn Ewers. I couldn't find my note, but. Uh, it is interesting that Jimbo, because I was pretty sure Quinn Ewers wanted to come to AM and Jimbo purposefully uh, passed on him because he felt so good about Connor Wegman. Yeah. Which I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. But, um, you know, Connor is also a baseball guy. They said that he could have been drafted fairly high. Which one is the baseball draft? Is it in the spring? Uh, yeah, it's usually in. Uh, I, I'm for some reason I was thinking April, but then uh, you remember when uh, my bachelor party that that was the night the uh, the baseball draft. <laughs> That's why we were um, ended up being on TV. So that that was been it? in uh, yeah in June. I don't remember that part. I mean, I remember the uh, Texas Rangers baseball game. Um, who are we? By Jim Knox, or was that his yeah, name? Jim Knox. Yeah, Jim Knox. Yeah, he made you a real popular person in your house for that first year, huh? <laughs> um, it, it may still get brought up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Connor Wegman, obviously, being a baseball player, too, um, as Jimbo has said before, that he likes these guys who play more than just football which i heard his rationale on that he said um he thinks that 
when you play multiple sports, you obviously work out different parts of your body. So to be a, an overall athlete, you're more well-rounded. But then he also said that a lot of people, um, especially guys who play baseball too, they're much more patient. So even if a bunch of bad things happen in like a football game, a uh, quarterback who's a good baseball player, specifically pitcher, um, they can kind of ride those high highs and the low lows. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Which, who is your prediction for who will uh, win the QB battle? Uh, Wegman, the true freshman, Haynes King, uh, or Max Johnson, the former LSU quarterback? Um, that's a tough one. I think um, I think Haynes King has the inside uh, in the inside route to it, just because he's been in the system longer. But you know, if if he was neck and neck with Calzada, it doesn't uh, bode very well for for him. Um, so I'd, I'd put my money on Max Johnson just because he's got some experience and. Uh, um, I, yeah, I really, I really hope easier. that was, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I really hope that was coach speak whenever Jimbo was like, yeah, they're neck and neck. I'm like, you got Haynes King who can run a four, four 40 as a white guy. And, um, he, Why does that matter? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's like that should be a pretty big feather in your cap. But if you're still neck and neck with a guy who is obviously not very good, then uh, I don't know. It makes me nervous. But so you're going to say Max Johnson. I would say Haynes King, even after everything I just said. Um, but anyway, that'll be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think uh, I think the good news is we're a lot deeper than we were last year. So that's true. If something happens and, in the second game of the season again, it's not. Uh, uh, it's not going to be as uh, catastrophic as it was in 2021. Yes. And then um, another interesting note is Chris Marshall, the number 24 player, uh, the wide receiver out of uh, Fort Ben Marshall, who Devin A. Chain is uh, also from that high school. But he just started playing football like 18 or 20 months ago. He's a basketball player. Yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't Mike Evans the same way? Yeah, yeah, out of uh, Galveston Ball, um, which that was exactly what I thought of, too. And I, I want to say that Noah Thomas, our third wide receiver, he's like six foot five, but I'm pretty sure he was a basketball player, too, before he started playing football a whole lot. So... Um, and then, so I guess next thing to get into would be, um, well, let me go this, this way, because we might have to make this into two separate, uh, podcasts, but, um, anyway, I guess after yesterday, the three big guys that we were watching was Shamar Stewart out of Miami, uh, Jacoby Matthews out of Ponchatoula. Louisiana. I'll have to ask my sister-in-law if I said that correctly. Probably didn't. Um, and then Harold Perkins, the linebacker out of uh, Houston, who, yeah, just had to announce at the Under Armour game and then decommitted, what, like 20 minutes later? 
Yeah, I, uh, I saw that announcement at the Under Armour game. But even in the interview, you know, for that, you know, the whoever was interviewing him, I don't know who it was, was saying, you know, so what's next? And he was basically saying, oh, I'm going to go visit all these schools. He's like, wait, you just committed. Why are you going to continue the recruiting process? Yeah. And it, it, at that point, I was like, hmm, this doesn't sound so solid. This kid just, uh, he seems to be uh, enjoying the recruiting process and all the perks that come with it. And then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like a week later that uh, he'd be committed. I was like, yep, not, not no shocker there. Yeah, he's he's definitely, um, uh, as my phrase goes, he's a grass is always greener guy. Um, I guarantee you, you're going to see him in the transfer portal here in probably just a year or two. And uh, it's funny, I heard, I guess there's a guy named Matt Moscona who does radio stuff and Bat Rouge, but he was hating on A&M for giving more money to Jacoby Matthews, the safety out of Louisiana. But then he was also in the same breath bragging that LSU outpaced A&M and their funds for Harold Perkins. So, which I know we'll get into this later, but uh, which is it? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Or sorry, no, the phrase should actually be you can't eat your cake and have it too. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, the hypocrisy is there. I mean, it's uh, pretty clear. Again, we all just want to complain about whatever. I think the, the big thing is if you're not winning, then you're going to complain about what the uh, the winner is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you catch my uh, turn of phrase there? Can't eat your cake and have it too. Mm-hmm. That's the way the Brits say it, which um, I think we uh, changed it, which it makes more sense the way that they say it. It does make more sense when you said it that way. Which, did you ever watch that Netflix uh, series on the Unabomber? No, I can't say that was on the uh, Netflix list. It was, you know, it was like a documentary. Well, I guess it was more fiction stuff. They had actors and everything, but I think they tried to stay pretty close. But um, when they were talking about how they found out who he was based on how he wrote uh, that was one of the things in his letters is he would um, he would say that you can't eat your cake and have it too. Everybody's like, oh, no, he said it backwards. And as I was looking at the way he wrote a bunch of stuff in his manifesto, um, I was telling my wife, I said, he writes it the way that and, and even how he spells words, he spells it the way that um, they would in England, which. If you think about how the sun would never set on the British Empire, um, whether you're in India, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, Scotland, wherever, um, you know, there is a whole lot of people in higher learning uh, institutions that were uh, part of the UK. So that makes sense that even today, we still have a lot of people around the world who um, they might not speak or write that way anymore but then if it's an academic uh journal or whatever they still uh write like that so it's a little tidbit there Uh, got another history lesson in this podcast yes yeah all for free all for free um and then so one of the other things i was going to mention too 
Um, so Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, that defensive lineman out of Lakeland, Florida, um, you know, his parents both went to OU and it was, it came down pretty close to us and uh, OU and he ultimately picked OU. And then whenever uh, drive to Riley uh, bolted for USC, um, he was like, okay, I kind of need to rethink this. And he did end up signing with us, obviously. But um, he said one of the reasons he did, and his parents echoed this too, was just because of how classy the coaching staff was about whenever he, you know, said he wasn't going to go to AM. And um, they said that that left the door open for him to come back and commit later. And anything about when um, Johnny Football uh, told Chip Kelly that he wasn't going to go to Oregon? Yeah. He was decommitting from there. Um, and he said, uh, Chip Kelly was ranting and raving and yelling. And, um, I won't say his words here, but needless to say, he would have lots of ampersands and asterisks and pound signs. Uh, if you were to type out what he, what he actually told Johnny. Yeah. It, I don't, I don't think he would classify Chip Kelly as a classy guy. So. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, did you like my use of uh, the word ampersands? Ampersand, but, you know, use pound and that's, you know, kind of outdated. Now we use hashtag. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And then asterisks, which is how a lot of people say the word ask. A-S-K. Yeah. Ask. Ask. That drives me crazy. Um, so I'm trying to bait, should we go into Jimbo's rant on this one, or should we save that for another one? Well, let's just pack it into this one. Pack it, okay. Okay, we'll go there then. So I've titled this, uh, this segment, NIL, is it all about the money? Which, what does NIL stand for? Name, image, likeness. And are there any parameters around it right now? Or is it just kind of wild, wild west? Right now it is the wild, wild west. So so you can't get mad at us for doing whatever uh, because there's no rules. Uh, that's exactly right. Somebody found a way to exploit the system and that's just how it is in the, uh, the beginning. Did you hear... Don't um, hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> Do you hear that we're being called oil money you? We're just, we're a different kind of you than the city of Miami. Um, but anyway, so talking about Jimbo's rant, which I would encourage anybody listening to go listen to Jimbo Fisher's uh, press conference yesterday. The first, I think it's like minute two to six and a half, will get you through the uh, rant. Um, which since we are labeled as clean on Apple podcasts, I can't say some of the words that he used. Um, but I'm pretty sure he said that he was PO'd about three or four times in a three minute period. And as I was trying to type out some of what he said, so I could, uh, make sure and report it accurately. Um, I was a little surprised at how much information he got into a three or four minute soliloquy. But I guarantee it'd take most people 12 minutes to say what he said in three or four. 
Yeah, he was he was uh, kind of going NASCAR talk there for a bit, where yeah, it just just kept going. It was parts of it almost seemed inaudible. Like, um, who was that farmer Fran on the the Bobby Boucher Waterboy movie? Waterboy, mm-hmm. yeah. Or the uh, um, Swamp People, your favorite show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. Would you like to tell us kind of how he started that off, talking about the $30 million business, what reputable uh, institution that came from? Yeah, where it come from, uh, what was his name, uh, Bread, Bread, Slice Bread? Slice Bread from, uh, I don't even know that website, but Bro Bible? Sounds reputable. Yeah. But, but Sounds- you know, you can't really complain because you get your news from Twitter, so you're kind of uh, part of the problem here, Lee. That's true. I am part of the problem, which I feel like, well, if I see it on Twitter, but I don't see it uh, nine other times, and it's probably fake news. Anyway, I pretty much decide as, as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this is fake. I'm not going to listen to this anymore. <laughs> but um, as Jimbo said, uh, if it's on the internet, it's gospel. How irresponsible is that? And he went on to say, um, you got all these reputable writers in college sports that are repeating this, I'll just say misinformation. Uh, then to have coaches in our league and across the league spreading that clown acts, irresponsible as H E double hockey sticks. Um, and then he said, multiple coaches in our league. And he said, guys are griping about NIL and transfer portal. Uh, these are the guys that are reaping the most benefits, which I would ask you, what coaches do you think he was talking about there? Because I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any sort of a relationship with Gary Napier at Florida or um, uh, what's his name? Kelly at uh, LSU. Yeah, I think it's uh, Saban and Kiffin. So Kiffin Saban. was using, using the uh, transfer portal very heavily this year. And um, you already mentioned some, of, or we've already mentioned some of the, uh, the moves that Saban's using via the uh, transfer portal. Still a yeah. receiver from a national championship team. Yeah. 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 Um, he said all because this is written on the internet. He said, we worry about the kids and social media in this country. How about the grownups? How about the writers that are supposed to be talking about the right things? And the coaches that are supposed to be doing the right things in regards to some of the coaches, he stated that he knows how some of those guys recruit. He said, go dig into that. I know the history and the tradition that goes into that. I know things. Trust me. You don't want to go down that avenue. Yeah, and I know he was, you know, particularly ticked about, you know, Saban coming out that, um, I think it was yesterday, making comments that uh, he drew the line of using NIL as a recruiting tool. Um but, uh, and, you know, he was bragging about Bryce Young just uh, last year getting a, you know, six-figure uh, deal before he even played a single down of college football. Was it, wasn't it reported as like 800000 Was that over four years or is that just up front? Uh, I, don't, I don't know the details of it, but uh, yeah. Which, that got me thinking, so let me pull up my... Um, compound interest calculator so let's say you get paid eight hundred thousand dollars and you're 18 no taxes we'll just say no taxes we'll make it easy um 
you don't ever contribute any more money into your retirement account. And so do we want to say that 60 or 65 is the retirement age for this individual? Uh, let's go 65. 65, okay. 65 minus 18, because I can't do that math in my head, is 47. So 47 times 12 months a year, it's 564 months. So we'll type in 564 months. Most of the time, the interest rate uh, or the stock market usually gains at about 11% per year. And I mean, that's historically. So let's type that in there and let's see how much he would have at 65 years old. Do you want to take a guess? Well, hold on a minute. You, you, you calculated months, but then you said 11% per year. Yeah, and I have it compounding annually. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So uh, everything's above board here. Eight eight hundred thousand forty-seven same, years. 11%. The same bro Bible. Um, I don't know. You're probably looking at fifteen million. No. <laughs> no. $107,961,768.48. If he never contributed anything else, which, I mean, you know the guy's going to go to the league uh, probably here in a year or two, but I'm like, do these kids know that they could, I mean, it's like if their parents are already doing pretty well and they can squirrel all that money away into a, I mean, Roth IRA. But you see this with the NFL players, right? I mean, they're not smart with their money, so it's gone. By the time they're out of the league, they're, you know, flat broke and, you know, looking broke. for the NFL to, you know, keep them uh, alive, essentially. You mean they're not driving a um, 12-year-old uh, Toyota Sequoia around? No, they will not be doing that. If I tell you like I was telling you, you should tell your um, CEO, scared money don't make money. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's that's a ridiculous amount of money, uh, especially being 18 years old. But um, yeah, I know Jimbo saying, so Nick Saban says it is QB1, got an $800,000 deal. Uh, and that's wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? It's funny when when you do it and I, I saw somebody on Twitter said that if you switched A&M and UT and you know, UT was the number one um, school in the country and we were five and UT had been rumored to use $30 million that everybody would be saying how great this is and how um, this is the way this is supposed to work. And, you know, if you've got that much money then, then you should definitely win the recruiting battles. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, some of the, the story is, you know, if, if it were, you know, just Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, that Texas, that was the number one, it wouldn't be a big deal because they've historically been in there for the last 10 years, like you mentioned, since 2011. And I am hasn't. So now they're the new kid um, um on the block and everybody's saying, well, how are they doing this? They must be doing something illegal uh, to get there. 
But if you remember when, you know, we brought Jimbo in, the reason he, you know, chose to leave Florida State is because they weren't interested in investing the resources that were required to be an elite program. And he knew that A&M was. And here we are. And, you know, look at the investment in facilities. You look at the investment in uh, um, recruiting uh, and paying his staff. I think we're just, you know, kind of putting our money where our mouth is, and uh, that's why he's here. And he didn't go to LSU or wherever else they were talking about uh, in the offseason. Which talking about the money, did you hear that um, LSU had to go to the governor of Louisiana before they could hire Brian Kelly? It, because he was the high, he was going to be the highest paid. Uh, I, state I don't employee. think. Well, yeah, that, and I don't think that they had the money to do it. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Um, in, and one of the things, too, that people don't realize is Florida State, they didn't even let Jimbo make his own decisions about um, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. He had to approve that uh, through, you know, the president and the AD and all that sort of stuff with the university. And um, so I know now being at A&M and being able to, because wasn't Elko getting like 2.6 or $3 million a year before he left? Yeah, I mean, he was one of the highest um, assistants in the country. Which I went and looked into it, and our offensive line coach, uh, Henson, who just left for USC, he was making like 850000 a year. Elijah Robinson, who's just our defensive tackles coach, was making eight hundred seventy-five thousand a year. He's probably making more now, uh, now that he got promoted to be the assistant head coach. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, that we've missed our calling not being uh, coaches. <laughs> if you could be a position coach and make that much, that's just insane. Yeah, but you got to remember those assistant coaches that are making that much. They're making that much because they are good recruiters. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So They're spending all their time on the road uh, visiting families. And so it comes at a price. Yeah, Not that's true. No, that's for sure. And um, Jimbo did make a comment in his press conference about um, people asking if he thinks that the early signing day period is a good thing. And, and he said he does from the standpoint that he's like, y'all don't have any idea how much of a grind it is and how wearing it is on all your assistant coaches to do this all the time. And he said, so having that early signing period just lets everybody just take a little bit of a, a breath for a little and not have everything um, coming down to the wire uh, February 2nd. So, um, but then one of the other things that Jimbo talked about is, as you were saying, the hip hypocrisy is a joke absolute joke and he said that's insulting to our staff how hard they work it's insulting to this university they're in a better place to go to school and play ball um and i thought that's interesting that he said that uh, you know that's insulting to also insulting to the players that this is the sole reason that they would come here um and my thought was is i think that's an interesting comment 
because now that you, me, all of our friends, we're all uh, working or have been for 10 plus years, I think we would all say that there's, when it comes to working in a certain place or a potential job, money isn't the only thing that you're interested in. You know, you're interested in the location and the commute, the atmosphere and the environment where you're going to be working. You're concerned with the quality of people you'll be working with. You're concerned with your quality of life. Uh, you're concerned with your future opportunities. Um, you're concerned with how much you can grow and improve. And I think it's got to be the same thing for these kids, too. People don't stop and think about that, um, which I know everybody says money talks, but all yeah, this other stuff is pretty important. I mean, money's going to be a factor, obviously, and there are going to be some kids where it's going to be the only factor. I think that, uh, you know, the kid that went to Jackson State, I forget his name. Um, very Tra clearly, Travis Hunter, the number one recruit. Very clearly, um, you know, probably his number one concern. But I think a lot of these kids, and I think this is why Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State have been successful, is because they turn kids into the league. and. That's that's the the goal for all these kids. I mean, yeah, winning a national championship is nice, but uh, they'd like to win a national championship and then, um, you know, take that into the league. And that happens at a higher rate with with those schools. So if you build that track record of sending kids to the league, um, you're going to have a you know a pretty good uh, ability to sit down in some kid's uh, living room and basically tell them that story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like the fact that um, he alluded to the the game atmosphere there in College Station at Kyle Field. And if I remember correctly, a lot of these recruits were there at the um, Alabama game. But then it's funny, a lot of them came back for like the Prairie View A&M game. And you almost wonder if they're like, well, maybe that Alabama atmosphere was just, you know, Saturday night, it's a big game. Um, and then whenever they came to Prairie View A&M or Mississippi State or some of those other games, they were still pretty impressed with the atmosphere. I mean, if you can have 100,000 people plus the stadium for Prairie View A&M, that's pretty impressive. And Danny also talked about, um, you know, have these people ever come to A&M and experience the education, which obviously we're a little bit biased, but I mean, I don't think that there's many other places that are as uh, difficult to to be successful in academically. Which did so? I know you did your master's at Georgia Tech. Did you ever apply to MIT to see if you could get in there? No, they no. Uh, any of those elite institutions have uh, crazy high application fees. So I never uh, never made sense. That does make sense. And then uh, another comment Jimbo made was um, this ain't just a three or four year um, commitment decision, especially if you're talking about going somewhere like Texas A&M with the 12th man and the Aggie Net Network uh, and how much support you'll get there even when you're done playing football. He said this is a 50 year decision, which, I mean, you and I know if you've got that Aggie ring on, I mean, people will recognize you around the world i mean yeah. i haven't been out of the country that much uh i mean i guess you have with all your work travels but people in canada 
know what a and is? I mean, obviously, the, the further you get from Texas, the less people know. But, uh, um, yeah, you'll find people that know what, the, what that is. So, yeah. And um, I think the other thing is that, you know, these kids are seeing the commitment um, at the same time that, you know, Jimbo is excited about the commitment. The kids can see it, too. And uh, I think that gives them a lot of confidence in what he's building for the next couple of years, but also in... Uh, you know, the stuff that you're talking about as far as the Aggie network and uh, what that'll mean for them long-term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then I liked it whenever, uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny, he said that's insulting about five or six different times. Um, but he said there ain't a better university in this country to go to school at and play ball, um, which, I mean, I would agree. Um, and then I also liked his comment you don't like it that we're coming on, get used to it. And then he gave a little Nick Saban, I, we ain't going nowhere. That was my favorite comment out of his, his press conference was get used to it. Here we get go. used to, we ain't going nowhere, which is funny. Last year in the off season, you know, he had the quote about uh, when somebody was asking him if he's going to beat Alabama after Nick Saban leaves, he's like, no, we're going to beat his A while he's still there. And uh, and he did. He did. Um. So anyway, maybe there will be some truth to that too. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the other things I was thinking is, with us having such a good recruiting class, um, something nobody's talking about is the fact that we have had a lot of continuity with our coaches. Obviously, the head man at the top, and we lost Josh Hansen. The uh, offensive line coach to uh, USC uh, to be a co-offensive coordinator, and then Mike Elko to be a head coach at Duke. Um, but you look at some of these other big name schools: LSU, completely new uh, coaching staff; Florida, completely new; the U, Miami; Oregon, OU, USC, completely new staffs. And even if you look at a place like Clemson. You know, they lost their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. Um, so, I mean, even though Dabo didn't change, that's still pretty difficult, which I don't know. I, I think that Clemson's probably going to have a little bit more of a down year next year since they won't have those guys. And I was also thinking this is the first year that I can remember that Bama didn't lose either one of their coordinators. Yeah, and I um... – to be honest, I was surprised at how well our defensive hall was. I mean, even in the early signing period when we hadn't found or we hadn't named uh, the next defensive coordinator, how well he was still able to do. Um, I mean, when you start going through that list, I mean, a large majority of them are on the defensive side of the ball. And yeah. he was able to do that without a defensive coordinator named. Uh, which let me ask you this. So I would say that our defensive line hall is probably the best anybody's ever seen. I think our defensive back hall is probably the best we've ever seen at A&M. And then I would say our wide receiver hall, having Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall, both as five-star kids, uh, is probably, probably as good as we've seen. And Connor Wegman, I mean, that quarterback, he's number two quarterback in the whole country. 
out of all the position groups, who are you the most excited about? Or or just tell me, you know, a couple guys that you're the most excited about. Yeah, to me, it's the the defensive line. <clears throat> I think Jimbo made you know comment about it. You know, the guys that put their 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 hands down in the dirt are are what really make make uh, make a know, difference make happen. And uh, you know what he was able to do on on that was was pretty amazing. And then you know I saw today that um, a twenty twenty three recruit now uh, reclassified as twenty twenty two, and A and M's in the mix for him. Uh, if he's somehow able to pull that off, I mean, that line in a couple of years is, you know, just scary. Believe it. like nothing we've ever seen, and we've had some pretty good, you know, defensive lines in the last couple of years. But uh, that amount of talent is, uh, yeah, wow. And I, I thought it was interesting whenever he was talking about the D line, and you know, you've got all these guys that are so good. One of the things that's so great about it is just like what the um, San Francisco 49ers were able to do with their front four, you know, they can get pressure on the quarterback without having to blitz, uh, which allows all your guys on the back end to stay out in coverage. Um, and, uh, you know, with that many guys that are that impressive across the board, you can't just slide your protection one way. You can't just double team one guy. Um, and as we said, San Francisco this year, they're living proof of how effective that can be. And I thought that was a pretty big, uh, point that he made. I thought that was pretty cool. For me, I would say, I would probably say the defensive backs, um, just cause I don't want to take your, uh, answer, <laughs> but, um, I think Denver Harris out of sure uh he was one of the best recruited uh cornerbacks in the country and then you've got bryce anderson who's a safety out of uh beaumont westbrook um definitely one of the better kids you've got jacoby matthews safety out of uh, louisiana and then you've got uh dion smoke buoy out of um bainbridge georgia which they say that he might be playing wide receiver as well. He's that good. But I'm looking at those guys, and I'm thinking about who we've got coming back in the secondary, and I'm getting pretty excited about that. And then if I had to pick just one kid that I'm the most excited about, I'd probably say Connor Wegman, um, just because you look at, like, Alabama, and I would say this year, even, even though they went to the national championship, I would say this was probably one of their worst teams that they put in a national championship. And without Bryce Young, they probably lose three games this year. Um, so I got to thinking about the quarterback position and I'm like, you can get away without being great everywhere else. As long as you have a quarterback, it's a pretty good eraser that erases everybody's mistakes. And so I feel like Connor Wegman's probably going to be that. Uh, caliber of player. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think to Clemson, you know, they they took a, a hard fall, and uh, I think a lot of it was, um, I'm not going to try to say his name, um, just is a huge step down from what they, they've had the last. Um, DJ Ugal- like. Ugalele. 
Yeah, ukulele. That'll be how I say it. But uh, over the last five years, you know, they've had superior QB play. And then, um, you know, he comes in and, you know, watching him, he's just not clearly not as good. Um, and, and it and it showed on the field with their, their record. Um, and the crazy thing is, is I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, definitely some of the better five-star uh, quarterbacks you've seen, but that DJ guy, he's a five-star recruit as well. Yeah, he, he was supposed to be, but uh, didn't have it. Um, at the, but then at the same time, and I think we were you know texting about this, um, you look at Georgia and what they were able to pull off with um, that walk-on. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly didn't think they were going to be able to win a national championship with Stetson Bennett, but they did, so um, yeah, you can still it's, do it if you have a, a stack team around them. And I feel like Georgia is in the mold of what Alabama was when Saban got there. And I felt like Saban didn't buy into all that business about the offense being the end all be all. And he'd make sure he had a good defense, good offensive line, good running game. Back, yeah. And, and if we get all that right, we can have John Parker Wilson or whoever. Uh, Why are you taking a swipe at him? Yeah. Who is the guy out of South Lake, the red-haired guy, Greg yeah. McElroy? McElroy, yeah. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't that great, but obviously he got him a national championship. But, yeah, I look back at those uh, teams that Saban had in the early going, and I think that they were better everywhere else except for quarterback, and I think Georgia's doing that same thing. And I think – a&M is trying to uh, use that same mold as well to have a really good offensive line, defensive line, and then, uh, you know, build around that. Which, in terms of the position groups, the one group that I wasn't uh, as impressed with is probably the linebacker position. But, I mean, I've heard that Marshall Harris out of, is he the one out of the Woodlands? Or is it Ish Harris? Ish Harris, I think, is out of uh, Pilot Point. But um, they're saying Marshall Harris is supposed to be pretty darn good. But anyway, I mean, I, I hope so. But nobody seems to be talking about them quite as much as every other position. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I love linebackers, so I wish we would have had a, you know, a better ball here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't win everywhere, I guess. So who is your uh, number one favorite player out of the whole class? Number one favorite player. And you can pick Connor Wegman. No, I don't want to pick, I don't want to pick your guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll have to go with uh, Walter Nolan. Pretty good one. Yeah. Just, uh, That's a pretty good one. One of the highest ranked you've ever, we've ever done. And, uh, the fact that we got him out of Tennessee is, uh, you know, kind of speaks to the uh, national game that we got playing now. Yeah, I heard that. Um, I mean, I guess I probably can see looking at the rankings, but if you were to just take our recruiting class that is out of Houston, Houston area, we would be like a top six recruiting class. And I mean, Texas is a good enough state to where if you just stick with the state of Texas. I mean, you're going to be pretty good. 
but it's just nuts that we're going across the country and doing all these things. I mean, this is this is the formula for like Alabama, Georgia. Um, I mean, that Keely Ringo, that kid who made the interception right at the end of the national championship for Georgia, uh, he's from Arizona, number one player from Arizona uh, that year that he was recruited. So um, anyway, I, I just hope that we can continue this momentum and just get better and better and better and get better kids too. And it's not just uh, you know, across the country, it's across the world, right? We got that guy from Sweden. So it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just turned my, sorry, I clicked somewhere else, took my notes off. Um, and then I guess going back to Jimbo's little rant, the, uh, I think the, the, the line that I thought was the, funniest um was he said you know talking about the coaches that were clown acts um or clowns or just how irresponsible this is and he said they got a problem with it tell them to come see me i ain't that hard to find i'll be in some meetings i assume he's alluding to sec media day and he said you can say anything you want we can do anything you want i ain't got no problem with it i can promise you that stuff um, except he didn't use the word stuff. Uh, but did you see that look in his eye when he was saying all that? Yeah, he was, uh, he was very worked up and clearly, you know, the comments from the last week or whatever have got to him. And, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, he was fighting mad. I thought he's ready, he's ready to throw down <laughs> right now, which that, um, LSU team that Saban had where they won the national championship and had, uh, all those great coaches and Muschamp and Jimbo and everybody. Um, I've, I've read reports that they would all get into like pick up basketball games together. The coaches, uh, they would play some like flag football together that would typically turn into tackle football. And, um, there would be some pretty bloody fights at the end of those. Um, which I thought that's, that just tells you how competitive all those guys were. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Jimbo was right there in the mix. Um, of course, I wonder if there was probably a rule that you can't hit the head coach. But, and Saban. <laughs> um, and then one other thing I thought was interesting from the press conference is Olin Buchanan of Tex-Ags. Uh, whenever he talked to Jimbo, he said, I just want to clarify, is Shamar Stewart an edge rusher? And Jimbo just said, Yes. And OB was like, I just want some clarification on that. Jimbo said, yeah, he's just a really big one at 6'6", 275. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of the talent that we're dealing with. Um, and it's crazy that you can pull a kid like that who's from Miami. And Miami and Georgia both had him on campus this past month. Might have been within the last 14 days. And all we could do at that point was just send coaches for in-home visits. So um, they had to be doing something right to close that out. Yeah, happy to see that on the sunny day yesterday. And then the only other thing I would say is he did make the comment that this is a great recruiting class on paper, but you got to go out and prove it on the field. And I thought that was a pretty good quote when Jimbo said you can't coach every yard, uh, meaning that you need some guys with God-given ability to make some guys miss, get a few extra yards. They're beyond what was expected when the play was drawn up. Um, 
And my comment would just be that you can't teach size, speed, and length. You know, you can improve your size and speed to a small degree in the weight room, but um, your starting point is still a pretty big factor in the process of uh, trying to elevate elevate both of those. Yep. And then did you hear uh, somebody asked him, when did he know that this was a special class? No, I missed that one. He said, um, he said his response was, uh, whenever he knew this was special, when he began to notice that the guys who had already committed in this class, uh, were recruiting the other guys, um, even better than what the staff could do. Um, which Bobby Taylor, uh, as another defensive back out of Katie, he's going to be pretty good. Um, he was probably the main guy who was helping with all these recruitments, but, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. And you've got that kind of buy-in from your recruits right then, uh, helping you to get these guys. And then I think that's about all I've got as far as the uh, football stuff goes. Unless you want to talk about Jersey Shore or, um, the rodeo, uh, or anything like that. Got anything on your mind? No, I uh, I, w- I would say we're probably pretty good now. Um, I did want to make a comment that uh, so when we went to the rodeo this last Friday, um, I saw something I've never seen before. Uh, this bull rider, Trey Benton the third, TB3 as they call him, not TB12, but TB3. Um, he had, and I mean, those bulls, they're bucking and everything. I have never seen one raise up on his rear legs and it's like he jumped in the air and got so high that he flipped over backwards and landed on the rider. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole, the whole crowd was just silent. And I mean, it was, it was a packed house too. Everybody was just silent. And, um, and then all of a sudden the, the bull pops up, uh, that guy pops up and, um, that guy was fired up afterwards. He he actually had a whole helmet on, which but he's thinking that's what I get for wearing a helmet. But he took his helmet off, and, like threw it halfway across the arena, and they was cheering and yelling and everything. And I thought that is insane. I've never seen anything like that. Does does he get a re-ride in a situation like that, or they they actually gave him? He got the highest. Uh, score they gave him like an 88 he was the highest um then so i don't know if the judges felt bad for him i can't remember if it had been eight seconds but it was pretty awesome Mm, awesome. which uh man watching those guys when i was younger i used to think i wish i had you know done that and now i look at it and i'm like they they're in there there's not too many of these bull riders and uh, bareback bronc riders that uh, are going to age gracefully. Um, that's going to take its toll on you. I mean, I got run over by a longhorn steer at a uh, FFA barn. The steer is probably, I don't know, 500, 700 pounds, something like that, and fractured my kneecap. And uh, that was, what, six, almost seven years ago? And now I'm paying for it. Now when the weather changes like it has, uh, it starts to get pretty tight, gets sore, knee starts to swell. I can only imagine what those guys are going through. 
Yeah, not worth it. Which the rodeo that we went to with y'all, wasn't there a uh, bareback bronc rider who had just had his tailbone removed or something? Yeah, something like that. Like 45 days before, which I thought this is probably not in your um, discharge instructions to start riding uh, live animals that are 1,800 pounds 45 days later. Well, they probably had the vet that, that uh, did it, not a doctor. So the vet was probably okay with them riding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's riding true. Again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, and then one of the other things I was going to mention about the rodeo is uh, when we went this past Friday, they didn't have the um, the little deal where the bullfighters were, you know, just fighting the bulls. But, man, I could watch those guys all night long. Those guys are crazy. Yeah. Actually, you know, they did have, they did release one bull. He was kind of a, a smaller bull, but he was insane. And, uh, he, he threw one guy around pretty good. And I think after that, they were like, okay. That, that rodeo went, that was the only time I'd ever seen them actually have a bullfighting, uh, competition, essentially. Yeah. Every other time, it's just the guys that are out there protecting the, uh, you know, the bull riders when they get bucked off. So, yeah. Which something I was thinking about is, you know, in that arena, it's a dirt, you know, dirt floor. And I mean, I know those guys are running around now, but if you've ever run on the sand, you know, you're, you're not that fast. You're not that agile. Um, I can't imagine running around in that dirt, uh, with those bulls chasing me. We went to college. Obviously, I'm not very good at getting out of the way, or else uh, maybe I wouldn't have broken my kneecap. But yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm trying to do something completely different there. I'm trying to help the animal, and obviously, he didn't want to be helped um, mentally or physically. So, um, anyway, well, I guess that'll do it for our. Uh, national signing day uh podcast coming in just under two hours um if y'all need to break it up into two separate listens feel free to do that and uh brian next time i guess we get together on the podcast we might have to talk about jersey shore or something because it's a long ways from now to when they play football again yeah we can take a poll of our you know dozens of listeners and figure out what they want to hear and if we get uh, if we get four that want one thing and four that want another thing and four that want something else, then I don't know how we're going to break the tie. I don't know either, but let's tackle that problem when we get to it. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, um, I hope y'all enjoyed this, and uh, maybe we'll get to uh, talk after the uh, maroon and white uh, game in April. Thanks, y'all.